You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, this is Stuart Wright of Britvillage.com podcast. Just to let you know that this is a deviation from the usual interview format, and it's in fact a new podcast. An occasional podcast, to be honest, that I do with my friend Stephen Routledge. It is our look at a couple of genre movies, not specifically restricted to British movies for that matter. And um, to save on bandwidth, I'm just using the same SoundCloud account as the Britflix.com podcast, which means it will also appear in the same iTunes account. So... It's a bit more uh, rough and ready in terms of the conversation, a bit more um, colourful in the language maybe. Um, It's definitely full of spoilers, so if the two films that we're talking about you've not seen, then it might be best to give Evil Speak a miss. But if you're interested in our discussion on a couple of genre movies, then listen on. And Britflix.com podcast will continue as normal, on the weekly basis that it currently exists. But this will be um, something that will occasionally crop up in the timeline. Hopefully you'll enjoy Evil Speak with me and Stephen Ray. This is the Evil Speak Podcast. With me, Stephen Rutledge. And me, Stuart Wright. Welcome to episode three, I do believe. Three, I do believe it is three, yes. Three. Hot on the heels <laughs> of episode two, as opposed to dying to get made after episode one. Yeah. Um, and we've checked, we, we've, we've, and I, my name's Stuart Wright, I should probably and say I, that. Yeah. And I'm and Stephen Rutledge. You are indeed Stephen, so that's, we've got the formalities out of the way. So Stephen, do you, do you want to tell the world, because I think they're all listening, Yes, hopefully. Um, what, is, what is it we're going to talk about today? Well, we're pick, we've picked two movies, but we've actually picked something different. We've actually picked two new movies, mm-hmm. um, and ones that seem to have split the audience down the middle. Both of them have actually seemed to have split the audience down the middle. I think we both like them. I think when we say split it. the audience, what we mean is it's split the genre audience, don't yes, we? Yes, definitely. Yeah, Horror fans either love them or hate them. Yeah, it's kind of it's a funny one. So what are there's those? Not, what are those two not, movies that we're not naming yet? Um, the first one we're going to do is the Babadook. 
Okay. And the second one is It Follows. Quick straw poll. Which one did you like better? The Babadook. Did you? I did. Uh. Um, I just thought the acting was better. I mean, the, the, the acting's very good in The Babadook. Um, and it was just, I, just, I, better, I just thought it was a better story. Although the kid did freak me out quite a bit as well in The Babadook. The reason I ask is because I thought it was a score draw between the. Oh parents. right, I I couldn't I couldn't separate. And what I love about the the very different movies, and what I love about one, I, I don't dislike about the other. And what I love yeah. about the other one, again, it doesn't it doesn't sort of yeah. You're right. I mean, so what should we say? What should we start off with Babadook because that came out first, didn't it? Yeah, that we can start with the the Babadook. And would you say that it is the story of a bogeyman that comes to haunt a mother and a child, or would you say it's the story of a mother who cannot get over the grief of her husband dying when he took her to hospital as she carried her baby about to be born that is still alive to this day and is a constant reminder that that's what killed the love of her life. Yeah, um, I'm more of the the first. No, actually, I'm actually agreeing with you on the second one there. <laughs> I actually do think it, it it's it's like the whole um, Jaws is not a film about a shark. Yeah, and things like that. It's 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 not what you <clears throat> it's not what you think it is, and I do think it's more about a parent's grief of losing a loved one and being reminded of that every day by looking at the result of. Of a relationship kind of thing, I think it's it's that story more yeah. than anything. I mean, it's very good. I mean, I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen the short it was based on? No, I've not. No, um, Monster. Um, I mean, you, you can see it on YouTube. It's not yet the full version on YouTube, I don't think, but most of it is there. It is on the new DVD of it as well, um, and that's very good. And it is slightly different. The the Babadook itself is slightly different. Um, it's but it's got the same the whole same story. You know, a, a young child um, being scared at night, um, and the whole kind of just the mum's kind of looking at the child, thinking he's just playing acting, things like that. He's, you know, he's, he just needs to grow out of this and things like that. So the, the short is very good. It's only, I think it's about 19 minutes long, later than that, I don't think. Um, and it's well worth a watch if you can find it. And as I say, it's on YouTube. Um, but I was very impressed with this, um, as I say. Um, I thought the is it the mother played by is it Essie Davis I think yeah. it is. Um, so should we start? I, should we, I was going to say should we start with Essie then? What, what, what was it you thought was so good about her performance? I just, <clears throat> I mean, you could you could actually physically. I mean, I know it's it's it's, it's, it's you think so, but you could actually physically see her getting you know degrading as the, the film went on and on and on until like the very end where she finds like the inner strength and things like that. But you can just physically see her, and she just looks so tired through the whole. As soon as you meet her, she just looks well beaten, tired, you know, and she just gets worse and worse as it goes on. And you just feel so sorry for her. And I, I, I mean, last year, I mean, I've seen quite a lot of films last year, and I'm sorry, but I, I agree with with Mark Hermode on this one. I did not see a better performance by a female actress in any film last year than hers in that film, and her for not being nominated for Oscars. Does seem very strange. But I think you know, it's because it's a horror movie. It's funny. I said, I said, uh, dear listener, I said before we started the podcast that I'd also made notes because Stephen <laughs> had embarrassed me because this is our second attempt to do this, and he showed off his 
elaborate notes that he'd taken. By working out. It feels like yeah, countdown. He'd, he'd done different sized letters and everything. He'd drawn arrows to different words. It was uh-huh, it, it, yeah. scared, it scared the living <laughs> delights out of me. So I've made some notes. And I actually wrote, it was amazing that she was feeding off energy to act like she's beat. Because yeah. that, and which is you, you said that much better than that. But it is. It's it's one of those things where you the, the, the film starts, and she looks like she's. It's the end of the film. Yeah, the big, the big on my little diagram of notes. I'm, I'm, I'm like my crib sheet here. The yeah. bit where I underlined in lots of letters <clears throat> and even coloured around it was the word frazzled. She looks yes. frazzled from the start, yeah. and it just progressively gets worse for her. My my favorite my favorite scene spoil I guess we should say spoiler alert spoiler because, alert yeah because we are, if we're going to talk about these films in any depth I suppose we've got to give I mean, we're not, we don't have to give the whole plot away but certainly we're going to talk about scenes was there's there's a scene I mean to give the give the the son his context the son is I guess borderline autistic or just troubled it's it's never quite it's never, never explained yeah. to us but he's a troubled child isn't he. Yeah, um, no, he's, he's very. I mean, he is very good in it as well. Oh, good. No, no, no. I was going to say, and there's a, there's a bit where we've we've got used to sort of Essie playing this kind of beaten mother who cannot fix whatever's wrong with her child because she's got all these other agonies going on in her mind. And there's a there's a moment in the car where he starts screaming, and it's like it's like that brilliant thing in film where they just do it for too long. That yeah. you're forced to keep watching. You know, it's like if it had been a bad film, it had gone to something else, and we'd have gone, "Oh, right, the kids having a bit of a moment." But it was like you got to feel like the mother character was feeling. Yeah, I felt, and I think I think that there's quite a few scenes of that throughout the film. I mean, you are you are following this film through her eyes all the way through it, and I think there's a, there's quite a few scenes where they leave it to linger too long, and it it kind of lingers on her face and. And you just feel you are part of of her her story. I think you're in that situation with her. I mean, I'm sure listeners have all been in cars with children, kicking the backs of their seats and having tantrums in cars and things like that. <laughs> so you can kind of put yourself there. But it was, I mean, there's the other scene as well where she's in bed and she's using her vibrator and it's uncomfortable because you think she's getting a moment of release and before you know it, the child's in the bed with them and things like that. And it's kind of just always it always puts you off like i don't know you, you kind of wrong-footed all the time i felt kind of like I, I don't know how to explain it really but it's not ideal for a podcast and not being able to explain it but, <laughs> draws a picture yeah, <laughs> but there's just it's it there's like lots of scenes where you, i think you just kind of you do linger too long on certain things and as you quite right say if it was a, a worse movie you know the editor would have cut that and shortened that and stuff like that just to try and get through but i think it's it was specifically done like that so you are kind of always sometimes you feel like you're seeing things you in certain movies they do it where they make it look like you're seeing something that you shouldn't be seeing and they leave the camera lingering <clears> a little bit too long and in this one, I just think they do it just to leave, put you off guard, kind of thing like that. I just think it's a very unsettling kind of way to do it. It's a very, I mean, it strikes me, it's a very, um, very European way of, and, and I know that our, our direct, writer director is um, Australian, yeah? Yes, Jennifer Kent. Yes, Jennifer Kent. Um, it, it felt, you know, it was very, in that sense, it's very cinematic. It kind of, it knew. And when you say too long, what you mean is it, 
it, it, that isn't that it was too long to look at. It was, yeah. it was they they overdid it so that you 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 were forced to confront it and then think about it because the minute it's a bit like looking at a painting, isn't it? You can look at a painting and yeah. walk away, or you can stare at it and begin to go into it, and suddenly you're beginning to see much more than what you saw at first. And and when you can do that in film, certainly, because I guess we're so used now to films that throw us around like you're on a bloody roller coaster. Yeah. That when a film allows you to go into it, which I think Babadook does, and, and admittedly, once when it gets into the sort of final third, it's kind of flinging you off a bit because it's throwing its, its supposed supernatural element at you. So then that yeah. gets a bit more frenetic. But certainly, certainly in the in the first two thirds of the movie, and I might remember it might be a bit less, maybe the first half. I I thought with her performance as that frazzled mother and of the dysfunctional child, and it's probably because it's Australian that it made me think of it. I thought I had more in common with say Snowtown. You know, yeah. it's that that, I just, remember, I that you realism. Saying, I actually remember you saying that actually when we we pretty much just all kind of just first seeing it, and you were saying at the time, you felt it was more like that. Yeah, because um, I'd, I'd, I'd been... The Babadook, I was... I'd, the, and again, what we were talking about before we started this, I was reading an article on bloodydisgusting.com, they were talking about... One of the writers there was talking about whether or not overhype to movies will spoil it for you. And I think... Yeah. I just saw enough iconography of Babadook for me to... Um, for me to think it was about this silhouetted man with the with the top hat and actually once the film started i was like no it's not is it this is yeah i i mean that's very true i mean some of the marketing early on before the film got even re- released it was like of the child like in a on riding a, like a wooden ho- rocking horse with like a cape on and a top hat yeah on like a lot of the posters and i mean that scene's not even in the movie but you, 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 I think you were led to believe it's going to be, you know, a supernatural kind of that kind of movie, and it's. I don't think it. I, I really don't think it is that kind of movie at all. It's not what I would class as as your normal horror movie, and I think this is why a lot of a lot of the horror fans have had a problem with it. Is that they've gone in thinking it's going to be one thing, and it's actually more of a family drama than anything else. Yeah, and 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 I think I mean from my own point of view, I think it's that. I'm I'm almost I like my horror because I've grown up with it, but I do like I do like my horror more when it challenges my preconceptions. I'm not I'm not one that wants to go in. I'm not the kind of fanboy that watches something and goes, okay, that ticks the right boxes, that place, yeah. that that does the right thing. I'm not I don't want to be given what I want. What I want is somebody to to flip it upside down and I go shine a light. I don't even know what that is now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I, it's something I was going to touch on it later on once we've talked about it follows as well. It's like the kind of the the new genre of horror, you know, like your paranormal activities and your, your insidiouses and and things like that. And it's the fact that people have to think about films like The Babadook and it follows, and you know, you do have to pay attention to them. You have to see what's the story. You know, the story involves in front of you, whereas that's why I think a lot of the horror films or horror fans, sorry, don't like it because they just want their quiet, quiet bang, quiet, quiet bang of like the insidious movies and the paranormal activities where, you know, there's a, always a jump scare just around the corner. I can't think of one jump scare at all. I was supposed there's, there's one in the Babadook out class as a jump scare where she's washing the dishes and she's looking across the garden at her neighbor's house. Mm. And then 
then all of a sudden she looks up again and the, like the Babadook standing in the doorway of the house and things like that. I think that's probably the only jump scare I can possibly remember in the Babadook. I can't think but you've got else. you've got you've got the bits where the Babadook itself is is seemingly going for her or yes. threatening the child, and you've got the kind of the return of the book after she's destroyed it. Yeah, that's not a jump scare, is it? It's just a no. Of... But I was kind of—I mean, more <clears> like the—you know—the the, the, the jump scares where you you often see in like horror films things like that. Where I mean, I, I'm doing me horror three hundred and sixty-five. Where I have to watch that horror movie every every day of the week, every day of the week. You make it sound like it's national service, Stephen. It's, you mean it's, it's you mean you've, cho- you've chosen to do it? You mean don't? Yeah, you? I've done it. And, and <laughs> this last whatever the word man now I'm on. Say episode seven now of episode seven, film seven of um, Friday the Thirteenth, and every film from the first one to I'm up to as episode seven now has got the jump scare, and it's it's exactly the same way. And it's it's surprising actually watching like the Friday the Thirteenth movies back to back is how often all the kills are just repeated. It's like so someone under the bed, it's things like that. But the, you can see where the jump scares are going to come because it's like that. You, once he did it with the first one where he jumps out the water onto the boat kind of thing and grabs it. And yeah. every film after that has got to have one of them moments in it where you're led into a false sense of security, everything's fine, and then it's boo at the end of it. And you just think, you can see these coming a mile off now. And I think that's the problem with, to me, new horror movies now is that they're aiming for that jump scare all the time. And films have been, you know, Paranormal Activity is completely sold on the fact that it's just one jump scare after the next. So, you know, do, you led, so do you think, you led, that, do you think from, then that that's why the way that Babadook is marketed, it's it's sort of advertising that there might be? I think at the beginning it was, but um, it's, it's a hard one to tell. I think, I think it was very mis- misleading, the... Um, the, the poster campaign at the time before it came out was like the child on the on the rock and horse and it looked far more like that kind of you know paranormal activity or you know just a possessed child kind of thing I mean that's what I thought before I'd seen the movie what it was going to be about it was going to be about the child being possessed and I, not for the life of me spoiler alert did I think it was going to be more the mother's possessed if you see what I mean I just, yeah I just thought the way they're marketing it, it's all about the child. It's all about the child. And at the time, you're thinking, well, we've seen this. We've seen this hundreds of times already in the, like the last five years. You know, it's the child being taken over, and this is what's going to happen. And you can kind of write it by numbers, but it wasn't. It was. That's why I think it was. To me, it was probably the best horror. Well, one of the best films of last year as well was because I went in with one idea of what it was going to be like, and it was completely not that movie at all. No, totally. I mean, I tell you what. What, what, what it in terms of the the marketing of and then getting to see the movie because I remember the tall man getting coming out and I had no interest in seeing it. I just thought, well, it's just a schlocky slasher yeah. movie, you know, big tall bloke running around a small town America. Jessica Biel will be the last one standing. I mean, you know, when you look at the the trailer for it, the trailer doesn't suggest. The whole kind of, and I know it'd be a bit of a spoiler, but <clears throat> it doesn't suggest the the right wing conspiracy stuff that it ends no. up being, which is a yeah. much cleverer film than the, the, than the slasher film it pretends to be. To be, yeah, I agree, and I think this is one of the things. I mean, there's lots of good horror movies that 
aren't necessarily classed as horror movies anymore. Um, you know, you and everyone says, oh, it's a horror movie, it's this and it's that. And but yeah, I, I mean, it's like Barbarian Sound Studio. I, yeah. I mean, I was, it was told to me as a horror movie, and I wasn't. I thought, well, this is not a horror movie. There's, there's not. It's not horror in the slightest. It's maybe a thriller, and it's more like the Italian, you know, gallo movies kind of thing compared to to any kind of horror movie. And it's like his, his latest one, Jiggins. <clears throat> Latest one, The Duke of Burgundy as well. I mean, that's getting touted as a horror movie. But then every review I've read for it, I've read about it, it's not a horror movie in the slightest. It's unnerving and things like that. But it's like these films that make you have to think about them. And I think they're the ones that are more unsettling. It's like you, you do constantly think, ooh. But don't, you, you, think that's, but don't you think that's horror, though? Because it's still transgressive. If you look at something like Barbarian Sound Studio, there, there, is, there is something quite... I mean, psychedelic about it in some sense. Yeah, because and it's unsettling. I mean, I'm not. It's it's a very unsettling film, and I think that's one of the, one of the good selling points of a horror movie. If you can make the film unsettling, no matter how rubbish it is, but if you can make someone feel unsettled watching it, it's done its job. It's you know the Blair Witch Project, absolutely rubbish film. I think it's, <laughs> but to me, it it still unsettles me because. At the time I watched it, I thought, what a load of rubbish. I just, you know, I was sold on the idea of it. I was thought, I, you know, the fan footage was a brilliant idea. Watched it and came out the cinema, thought, oh, what an absolute letdown that was. And then that night I went home, slept in my bed, woke up facing the wall, and then it suddenly just clicked in my head what the ending of the film actually meant. And I thought, now that's done what its job was meant to be. Even though I don't like the film, it unsettled me. And I thought, well... It's done its job. It's done what it was meant to do. Well, it's interesting. You said you said before that that watching films like um, like the Babadook is you have to think. I'm not so sure whether it is that you have to, but what I think it is a bit like what you just said there with your um, with your Blair Witch example is yeah. that I think it makes you think. And if you if you're willing if you're willing to sort of be be challenged by it, and that doesn't mean literally what happens on the screen, because your thoughts afterwards and how it how it you know how it percolates in your mind afterwards. Because a film, there's one thing, there's this one thing experiencing a film, then there's thinking about it. When you think about it, you can. That's where you know when I was watching uh, Babadook, I wasn't thinking, oh god, this is just like Snowtown. That, yeah. th- that was a thought after seeing the after afterward. watching I, the film. Yeah, when I was yeah. trying to you know trying to comprehend it, but <clears throat> certainly. Uh, the idea that when a f- and, and I think it comes down to what again what you said before, which is once you've had your preconceptions challenged, then 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 you, you you're forced to think because if you don't, then I reckon you must be pretty dumb. Um, yeah. But I tell you, Barbarian Sound Studio was hilarious at uh, Frightfest. Oh, right. If you think Babadook was divisive with the genre crowd, my word. There was there was kind of like the, there was like people coming out with you know people coming out like hallelujah praise be this movie and then there was a load of other people snapping on the rollies outside going that was a lot of bloody shit wasn't it was yeah a, I, I, bloody, I must admit, bloody bloody horror film yeah I've heard <laughs> more people in the it's bloody shit camp than it's and I actually I quite and quite enjoy it um, but I've heard more disconcerting voices of it over it than. Than praise for it and stuff like that, and it's the same with is, is the latest film, The Duke of Burgundy. I've heard more bad reviews for it than good reviews. For every good review, you know, I've looked at and read three or four bad reviews for it. So, but it, I guess it's as well because because Strickland, it's there's there's something stylized about what he does. Yeah, 
A bit I mean, like look, yeah, visually stunning to watch. Look at them. A bit like uh, what's he called? A bit like Wind and Refn, really. And, yeah. And 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 the best work of um, Dario Argento, where they're not doing just film by numbers. They're they're really they're really having a play and and taking a chance. And that chance could end up being a pile of poo. And but it could also still be interesting because they might get the music right, they might get the light right, they might yeah. get a performance and a scene right. And I think at the moment you've got a lot a lot of kind of for want of a better expression, sort of mainstream voices poo-pooing Ryan Gosling's directorial debut. Whereas those people that might get excited by um the sort of the the earlier work of uh, Argento and stuff and, and, and like Winding Refn sort of especially those that might like, you know, the only go forgives rather than drive. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I mean, there's a documentary about that as well, isn't there? Oh, I'm so excited! I'm so excited about that. We'll have, we'll have um, to cover. We'll have to cover that. Um, because and it's, and even because I was reading a review of it, and his wife saying, you know, he has a, he's he's he has so many doubts while he's making the film. You know, he doesn't want to make it like Drive, and then halfway through, he decides, I wish it was more like Drive and things like that. And so you can see like. How it'd be interesting to see how like directors' minds change, especially when they made two films which are artistically and you know critically loved. Which I you know both Martin and I prefer Drive. To be honest, I did prefer Drive um, than Only God Forgives. Well, you know, um, you know, I mean, I know we're not talking about these two films, but you know that Only God Forgives was meant to be made before Drive. Oh, you, right. sh- no, you should see that. Only God Forgives as the film that follows Valhalla Rising. Right. And then you get Drive. But, you know, momentum got picked up on Drive. Yeah. I mean, Drive's a more traditional movie. I mean, it's just a, you know, hard-boiled character. We don't know too much about him, you know. And um, we learn that he's a pretty tough guy, and then he kills a lot of people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's that's the end of the movie. Um, whereas I mean, Only God for, Forgives is just, is someone else. Something yeah. else. I mean, the good thing about things like them kind of films as well, which is something I'm sure we will touch on in a bit, is... Soundtracks. Well, um, yeah, that's what I was going to say because I think that we'll get onto it with it follows because definitely I, mean, I, 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 I noticed it right away, but I don't have a memory of the Babadook soundtrack. No, that's that's just going to exactly say the same thing. It, for the life of me, I can't remember any kind of incidental music or anything like that in the in the Babadook soundtrack at all. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. And one more thing, here's friend of the Britflix podcast, Beatrice Newman. Distribution Rewired, the event at Edinburgh International Film Festival for a plugged-in film world. Find out more and support us on our Indiegogo crowdfunding page. Our campaign launches on Monday 30th of March. Beatrice will be a guest on the podcast very soon and she'll be telling us more about this event and how you can support it. So, Well, look, that, that's a good, I think that's a good segue um, that you've just done there. Like, like we scripted it. Something. <laughs> yeah, somehow. Um, it follows. Do you want to give a brief synopsis as to what it follows is? Yeah, basically it's a story of um, a young girl played by, is it Nakia Munro? Munro? I'll go Micah. Mike, Micah Mike, Munro. If the dog's uh, called Micah, then I'll call her yeah, Micah. Micah. Micah Munro, who we saw very good in The, the Guest, who was very did, good in yeah. that as well. Um, and she has a boyfriend, um, ends up having <coughs> sex with him, and then 
unbeknownst to her, she's been passed a STD, a sexually transmitted demon. Hey, good um, one there, good one. See, well, you didn't I, even I, fool me for a second. <laughs> um, and basically, we're then told the rules of the movie. So basically, she's she's after sex, she's drugged, tied to a chair, or sorry, a wheelchair, and then her boyfriend then tells her that he's passed on a demon to her who can take the shape of anybody, but no matter where she runs, no matter where she goes, the demon will keep trying to find her. And that's where the story starts off. And how can she get rid of the demon following her? She can get rid of the demon. She can never get rid of the demon, really. She can have sex and pass it on to somebody else. But once, if they get caught by the demon, the demon then aims its target back to her. So basically, she she has to put as much distance, metaphorically, well, as I say, distance-wise in mileage, but also distance in sexual partners, I suppose, would be the best option for that. Just try and put as much mileage between her and the demon. Now, it feels it feels a bit unfair, but we are going to do some spoilers here, so those people that haven't managed to see it yet, be yes. aware that, because that, obviously this is still quite fresh, as it's on the cinemas, as yeah. we speak. Um, but anybody who's not seen it and listened to that description might start to, might start to think, well, that sounds a lot like a reworking of M.R. James casting the runes, or yeah. or Night of the Demon that was that was yeah. a, was an adaptation of casting the runes. This is essentially you've been cursed, give the curse to somebody else to get to get it off your back. I mean, you can even even you know more recently drag me to hell. You know, oh ring, yeah. I mean, I was I I kind of was thinking of ring when I was watching it as well. And it's beautiful, isn't it? It's like it's like it's like. But in this one, they've heightened it with it follows where it's like you can sleep with somebody. But if you do sleep with them, um, you are condemning them, yeah, to be followed by demons. But I, but you see, this is I thought this was before <clears throat> again watching the film and just reading like you know reviews in like Empire and Total Film and things like that. The idea was that she she, she got past the demon by having sex, and I thought to myself, well, this is going to be a pretty short movie because she's a woman; she can just go up to any man in the street and say, "Let's have sex." They'd have sex and then she'd pass the demon, so it'd be pretty much a, which a is short what the, which movie. Is what the, which is what the bloke that did it to her said, didn't he? Yeah, um, and that's the reason why he picked her kind of thing like that because she can just pass it on. But it's the fact of the matter that is that, as he says as well, you'll never get rid of it. Even if you pass it on to somebody else, you'll still see demons. They just won't be chasing you, if you know what I mean. So it's only after and only after they've been caught will they turn their attentions back onto you and things like that. So it does play. I mean, I've seen lots of people saying it, the story itself doesn't hold up, and there's quite lots of plot holes and things like that. But um, what plot? Actually, what plot holes are people pointing out? Well, it's the, well not the, it's well not so much plot holes, but the fact that um, it can't be killed. You shoot it and you do things like that, and it can't be killed. But then the guy's plan is to try and electrocute it in the swimming pool and things like that. So it's just. Things like that, which I find, and there was, there was other ones as well. But but uh, that's I thought that was that was because they were naive kids. I mean, yeah. one of the things that stuck out for me, if if you think back to the movie, you do not see any adults. It's devoid of adults. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Nobody is older than 90, yeah. 19 or whatever. But I mean, the other one, I mean, the other thing that was seen as this, I mean, I don't really want to go into like what happens in the movie without spoiling for everybody, but there's a bit like where someone gets attacked by the demon and the demon kind of pounces on them within seconds. 
But then there's a bit where the actual star is attacked by a demon. And all it does is pull her hair. And you're thinking, well, you know, before we just, you know, it, why isn't you just pulling her hair and not jumping on her and attacking her? Yet later on, five minutes down the line, it's pouncing on well, people. Well, and... to be fair, it, it, that, that's, that, that <laughs> bit you're talking about is is more like she moves out the way and it grabs her hair. Yes, so she's leaving, yes. Whereas the scene where somebody quickly gets mauled and killed... <laughs> it's a good way to go, though, I suppose. He's basically seeing... He's seeing his mother, isn't he? It's yeah. like it's that zombie thing, isn't it? Where, where if you see someone you know, and it's hard, you know that classic thing of, but that's my grandma. You're going, no, yeah. she's a zombie. Your grandma's not, you know. And in a way, that that scene, one of those scenes, is is definitely that. Um, one thing that I found, I mean, before we started this, I was slagging off um, Chappie because I thought it was yes. poo. And yes. Steve Stephen put me back on track by explaining to me why I didn't like it, which was. It was too sentimental an ET for the adult audience that the violence was aimed at, and the violence was too great for it to be a PG thirteen. So the sentimental kids that could just watch it as if it's a kind of urban version of Wally or Pinocchio was the thing I could get. I could yeah, get. okay, got, yeah, yeah, makes sense. But one of the things that struck me again, going back to the point about there being no adults in It Follows, is in a funny way it felt like the Goonies or something, you know, because they were going to like these. God, God forsaken out out bits of the suburbs which no one yeah. wants to go to, which is a bit like disappearing to the caves at the sea and stuff like. That. No, it's like where where your your mum and dad don't know where you are anymore, or even in, in the, the intimation and in it follows is nobody bloody cares because yeah. because all the kids around at Jay and um, what's she called Jay and um, Jay and Ke- Micah plays Jay and Lily Seppi plays Kelly plays, with their yeah, sisters. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, so everything focuses around their house, and you've got. The couple of friends, Paul, who his first kiss was with Micah, so he absolutely idolises it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, uh, and that, yeah. I'll come on to that. That's one of my big um, points about that whole Okay, well, well, we'll come on to that in a minute. And yes. then, you've got, then you've got Yara, who's the kind of like, I don't know, like the nerdy, nerdy geek who reads it. Yeah. I mean, her, her reading a, um, a whatever it is, little iPad y thing to yeah. read an e book, when everything else in the film. Looks like it's from 1987 at the latest, including yeah. the soundtrack. Which, I mean, going picking up the point before about there not being a noticeable soundtrack in in the true in a kind of what we like to hear on a horror film. <clears throat> the the soundtrack to it follows is without doubt an absolute throwback to a John Carpenter type. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the big. I think the. I think it wears its carpenter kind of flag on its chest, which, which in a funny way, I mean, in in, in no no no, not dissimilar way. So did the guest, but yeah, which is obviously different writers and directors. But uh, maybe Micah just brings that out in people, or or she can only go in films that are influenced by John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see a thing remake then. Um, <laughs> so, go on, what's what's your um, what's your view of um, of the Paul character? Well, it's, it's it's the whole fact that they know that there's a case. They, they they've actually got proof now that it's a case, but yet they're all still happy. I mean, two male characters are still both happy to sleep with her, even though they know it's kind of sealing their fate. If you know what I mean, I just think. Well, the first one thinks he's he's the big Joe Potatoes, doesn't he? He's yeah, like, he's the one that thinks. Well, he, all right, I'm I'm buying into this. 
Which is why yeah. I think this is why that's, that's my my Goonies thing is like you know if you're with your gang of mates and or sorry you were the complete group of strangers and you said look I've um, I've shagged this bloke and he's told me now that demons are following me you can't see the demons only I can yeah but they're going to keep following me unless I sleep with somebody else then strangers would go you're a lunatic piss off yeah. yeah whereas this group of friends and her sister go right then let's all help. And, yeah. and in that sense, it's quite nice, and it doesn't. It never didn't take me out of the movie. It was kind of cute, and uh, not in the same way that the over sentimentality of Chappie was. Yeah. I felt like I felt like they were. I mean, I've, I've I've had the opposite. I've read the opposite where people believe that it was too shallow. The the drawing of the characters in it follows, but for me, because of that opening scene at the house where they're all there. And you don't see the mum's head, or you, you see it's like a tablet yeah. or something. But and, there's, there's and they're all big... very familiar with each other. Yeah. And it just to me, you didn't need to build it. I mean, it was just obvious that they they've known each other since they were in paddling pools. Yeah, but there's a whole there's a bit before that where she's like floating in a pool in their back garden. Yeah. And she looks up, and there's already people staring at her through the fence, <clears throat> and you kind of think. You know, all her life she's been used to people like following her and staring at her because she's got like two little kids looking through the fence at her while she's in the pool and things like that. And I thought that was kind of because that comes on later back into the film where one of the good things I actually liked about It Follows very much was the fact that you were always looking at the edges of the frame because you would, that's what you were told to do throughout the movie. You're constantly told to like. You know, you'll see something, and every time someone walks by, you're looking, thinking, "Is that the thing? Is that the thing?" And it was—it's one of them. It's just, it was just a very good, um, kind of every time like you you there's a like um, a a shot where there's like a, an expansive open space, you were always looking to see, "Oh, is someone walking towards them?" and things like that. And that's one of the things that the film does quite well because. The, even the other characters who've slept with her now then start to do the same thing and they're looking at people in the distance saying, can you see that person? Can you see that person? And things like that. But it was quite good, I say, at the beginning where she's in the swimming pool and she's like minding her own business, but then she looks up, but there's two people already staring at her through her fence and things like that. So she's kind of used to being stalked, I suppose, or something like that. I thought, I must admit, I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant part of it because like, it's like the opposite of what you were, what you were describing before about the kind of nature of the jump scare. This said this said I'm not going to I'm not going I mean there is some jump scares in it, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean one of them isn't is is a false one and absolutely knocked me up. Uh, yeah. when when they're in when they're in the decrepit house. Yes. And I think she pulls a false wall away and screams. I I did physically lurch in my chair. It it got me. <laughs> yeah. I got done with a false scare, which is always, you know, hats off to the good. filmmaker. Um and but but I thought that where we're used to watching films going, like you say, formulaically we go, right, okay, here's the build-up to, is it going to be a real scare? Is it going to be, is it, oh, it's a scare. This time you're watching, you're watching the background of the movie. You're no longer yeah. interested in, because you're told they're going to follow you. And once you've, once you've seen it once or twice, that these people just end up making a beeline. For, it's when it is, it is a bit like, you know, if you were, if you were at a festival and then you just saw some fucking drunk lunatic making a beeline for you, you'd be like, what's up with them? Yeah. So with them, and 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 the and then adding to that that nobody else can see it, it and and it makes makes like you say whenever there's a wide shot, and I think there's a fantastic one in uh, in in a where the camera pans on a schoolyard, and as it pans, one person is doing sort of an unnatural, 
unnatural yeah. sort of walk to walk towards the camera and it's not like it's that close but you know yeah. but you kind of because you're now alert to this you you, you kind of respond. and i thought that was a beautiful way there's, there's two quite good ones i actually thought as well there's, there's one where the the find the fella who she who slept with her to pass on the thing and yeah. he's sitting in like in his back like his back garden which is a massive big field kind of thing like that yeah and they're all talking and in the distance there's a woman walking towards them and you can see him physically getting nervous as he's talking. And then the, as she gets closer and closer, he kind of looks up and goes, can you all see here? And the woman like looks at him like that and they all go, yeah. And then he kind of goes and relaxes back down again and things like that. And then the best one of the movie is the bit where they're all on the beach. So they found like a hideaway to hideaway and they're on a beach. Um, and she's on the deck chair and her friend, who's the one with the e-reader, is walking behind her. That's like right. down a hill behind her, in like a, and you think, oh, they're all like on the beach relaxing and stuff like that. And then it cuts, from, it cuts to a shot from behind um, the main character looking out to the water. And then her friend, who's got the, the one with the e reader, floats in on a little like lilo kind of thing. And you think, oh, right. So one of them, it must be the one walking behind it. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's grabbed the back of her hair and things like that. And that's just a brilliant scene because you're thinking there's nothing going on. There's, it's all. All's well. Everyone's happy. Everyone's guarded. Everyone's got their looking out and stuff like that. And then it just throws you completely because all of a sudden her friend floats into view in the sea in front of them and things like that. So you know straight away. And from that moment, you, you're constantly on edge, I think. And that's why it was such a good film for me is because you are constantly scouring every scene to see is someone walking towards him, is things like that happening. And it's, it's, it was very good for that. My 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 favourite moment was quite early on, where we're learning about the process. So we're, we're the, the everyone's on guard, everyone's sleeping over at Jane Kelly's yeah. house, and um, somebody she goes. I think she goes to get a drink, and she gets an awful fright because there's something there. It's, the the window's been broken, and obviously they go and check, and they can't see anything because they can't see the demons. Yeah, and um, and then they they Jay runs up to a room, shuts the door. Her mates all come running after her, and then she sneaks a, open the door, and then there's this fucking seven foot six. No, it friends at the door. That's right. Yeah, if, if lurching, what, lurching the, character yeah. hanging over all the friends, and yeah. she's still screaming like a lunatic. And I think that's where her fear of what's going to happen is what convinces, obviously, her friends. All that her friends, even if exactly. they can't see it, she definitely believes it's real. And yeah. you know, we love and care for her, so. We'll look after. It. I mean, I realise anyone that's not seen the movie, I've now spoiled a big bit of it there. But um, <laughs> yes, but, but we um, did say spoilers at the beginning. I did, yes. And, but it is. I just thought it was a brilliant, brilliant little horror moment in. Yeah. In, and and also it was it was key because it helped you understand that she she could only she could see it, and um, and also when you look back on the opening scene, I don't know if you've, you've uh, the, the the filmmakers issued a kind of. Um, a kind of what's essence of the scene, and he does a, like a, a commentary of that opening scene with oh, the right. girl. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite an um, that's actually something else I've actually written down on my little crib sheet is um, the camera. There's a lot of 360 pans in the movie that kind of lead you one way, and then when you pan back, the thing that you're trying to look for in the pan is right in front of you. See what I mean? So there's like there's the bit at the beginning where the girl runs out the house and the camera pans 360 degrees round the street and then back into the house and then she gets in the car and drives off 
and then there's a bit where she's in the school, I think, and it does the same thing again, and it pans the the whole way around, 360 degrees, and then the, there's like a woman walking towards her and things like that, and it, there's quite a few nice little moves like that, and I think there's one as well where she's in the swimming pool at the end as well, where it does the same thing as well. And it's quite it's quite clever how it does because it kind of draws you away from where the action's going to happen. Only by the time it comes back, the action's right in front of you, kind of thing, which is quite good. What do you think of uh, Michael Monroe as a as an actress? Very good so far. I mean, I've only seen her in the two films. I've seen her in the guest, and she was. I mean, in the guest, I thought it was just going to be one of them typical kind of you know attractive teenage girl who's. And things like that, especially the scene where he comes out the shower with the towel around, and she just kind of pulls that face and goes, "Oh my god, he's gorgeous!" Kind of thing like that. But no, she's she's got the action chops in the guest, and she's she's good as a as a scream queen, I suppose. Do you, but I, do, I do. Do you think scream queen is a compliment? Um, I, I don't think it is anymore. I think like you know, I mean, because especially like you look at things like I always think of things like Jamie Lee Curtis as a scream queen. Maybe Nave Campbell from the Scream franchise. Really? Scream See, I, 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 I mean, I think of you know what Lara Quigley maybe. Yeah. But no, no, I don't think. I, I, I think it's. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting offended on Burby Maybe she could give a toss, <laughs> but I just find it like it, a Scream Queen is just someone that runs around screaming. screaming. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I think she does far. Do you, what did you do? You know, because I thought, all right, I've seen two films with her in the in the space of twelve months. What was where? What was she doing before? Yeah. Do you know? No. She was a sur- She was a professional surfer. All oh, right. And I, <laughs> I never knew that. No, is that an not. IMDb fact? I think it might be. I think it might. <laughs> I'm not looking at it now. I, I had a look. At, I was looking up because I was thinking. She's amazing, and yet she's seemingly yeah. come from nowhere. From I mean, nowhere, she's only, yeah. she's only like nineteen or something, so she's yeah. you know she's a, but it, but she seems so confident, and she's obviously not atypical of the kind of sort of busty busty Hollywood, you know, yeah. California girl, is she? By any stretch, yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's what makes her, um, I guess, interesting in in the horror, for, for, and different from your usual horror horror persons. Yeah. But um. I have got actually. So there was another um, scene I just wanted to talk about as Go well. On. There's a bit where um, I think she's been chasing. She she jumps in a car and drives off. Then she parks. She drives. You don't know how long she's been driving for. It's at night, so she parks up the car. Then instead of say, staying in the car, she climbs out the car and falls asleep on the bonnet. Now she knows that there's something out there that's walking towards her, no matter where she is. And instead of sitting in the comfort and security of the car, she lies on the bonnet of the car. And you're thinking to yourself, well, why would you do that? If you're getting chased by a sexually transmitted demon who's going to kill you, why would you want to sit on sit on the bonnet of your car? And it's just things like that where I thought, you know, that surely if you were getting chased, you'd be a bit more, a bit more trying to protect yourself than doing things like that. I was more concerned about the fact that this 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 demon didn't seem to bother chasing her when she was in hospital. Yes, that. I mean that well, was, well, that's there's my, a good. I was gonna say there's a good scene where where she's in the hospital and she's kind of just coming back around and there's the footsteps coming down the hall. Yeah, hall and you're thinking and she's thinking is it is it the demon that and it's just like a nurse who walks past and things like that. So there's, there's quite a good scene there as well for that. But yeah, I, I mean I'm and I'm splitting hairs there because I th- genuinely I just thought it'll be it'll be. I think Babadook and It Follows 
will both sort of stand the test of time. I don't think that... Uh, I think there'll be ones that people will revisit. I think there'll be films that people will want to watch It when, when they get wind of it, you know, when the next... You know, in 10 yeah. years' time, when eight-year-olds are 18, I think they'll still want to watch... I think these are yeah. the films that they'll be oh, looking definitely, to watch. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a two scenes I'd like to... Um, your opinions on and your thoughts on now. Go on. Um, the... The bit where, as I say, she's just driven in a car, she's parked up, slept on the bonnet, and then she, she, she's woken by a noise of like some fellas messing around in the water. So she takes off her dress and then goes out. You don't see what she does. She just gets takes off her dress and heads out towards them. They're playing around on a boat in, you don't know if it's the river or the sea or, or a lake or something like that. So are we led to believe that she's had sex with three people on the boat just to try yeah. and pass on the case? That's what I would say. So so there's that scene. And then there's a bit near the end where her friend who's had sex with her is driving around like the red light district. Yeah. And he's looking at prostitutes and things like that. Do we think, I mean, because that's, I think we've without had a shadow, Without a shadow of a doubt, he's had sex with them. So, because we had, I'm sure we had this discussion, and we both, I think, we'd agree to do the same thing. We'd go and have sex with a prostitute. I think would be the easiest option. Well, a prostitute, because, gonna... the, because the exponential nature of what a prostitute does, i.e., sleeps with people, means yeah, that the, you're spreading the the curse far and wide. Yeah. But you're that it just never stops. But I don't yeah. know whether I mean because it means that at any point when. Because it, I mean, it, it means you're putting the people that buy prostitutes for sex, sorry, hire prostitutes for sex, are the ones that are going to die because they're least likely to to have sex with somebody else. The, the the other the other big thing that's kind of, I mean, apart from obviously the fact that she tells the people close to her, most of apart from when she is slept with and the yeah. rules are explained to her, nobody else seems that interested in about explaining the rules because I don't think the prostitutes would have done. No, no, and this is the thing, but there's 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 quite a few things in this film actually which I thought was quite good is that you're not ex- nothing's really explained to you apart from the opening premise where he tells her what's going to happen you don't yeah. get told anything else you don't know you, you're not told why some of the people who are chasing or walking towards her have no clothes on and yeah, that yeah, also yeah. leads me to one of my plot holes is she's told that these things will come directly for her they'll aim straight for her no matter where she is She'll, they'll aim straight for her. Yeah, how come in one scene she comes out of the car and there's a big fat naked man on her roof? <laughs> Why is he not coming towards her? Why is he just stood on the roof, like looking at her? So I didn't understand why that because he changes like his rules. So why wasn't it trying to attack her? Why was it just standing on her roof and things like that? That's oh, on the house, on the, on, the, yeah. on the house. Yeah. Well, he kind of he'd been left standing, hadn't he? Then hadn't he been? Yeah. And, but and he, what, I don't know, but it didn't even look like he tried to like attempt. He's just kind of like watching her. Well, I, think, you know what I, mean? I think you're being a bit picky there. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point the... I'm, I'm gonna just point looking the, on the... This is just the internet telling me these these are the plot holes. That's why I'm just repeating them. Well, I must admit, I mean, I mean, all, I mean, all kind of sort of... All kind of... Horror films have often got... It's why I find them so bloody hard to write. But horror yeah. films have always got... Because setting up any kind of horror is easy. You go... Oh, look at this normal world. Oh, throw in something either violent or supernatural. Now try and pick your way out of that and set yeah. up rules that make it interesting so you ex- escalate what just happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so on and so forth. And I think, again, I think like Babadook, a lot of what goes on in It Follows 
isn't necessarily just pure horror. There's there's, yeah. there's genuine kind of you know it, it's suburban drama. It's 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 sister and sister. It's yeah. it's it's the story of a of a unrequited love for a boy who kissed her when they were eleven or whatever it was that, that they're supposed to have done. And and those elements and you know if you watch something like the remake of Friday the Thirteenth, you know it's it's almost like they just go right. What kind of people? Go to shopping malls and wear different types of clothes that we can kill in in an yeah. order, you know, and, <laughs> and, and 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 obviously it follows avoids all that kind of nonsense like the plague, yeah. and even though it's got teenagers in it, you know, God forbid that teenagers are um, are interesting as opposed to just fodder for an evil thing. See, I, I've got a quite a good ending for it follows Go on. a different ending than the film. Well. There's kind of an unrequented kind of flirtation between, um, like the 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 hero strong guy who's protecting her, but he kind of flirts with her sister as his sister as well. And I had had an idea that they would probably like kind of my ending would be that they would have had secret sex somewhere after he'd slept with the main character, and then he passes on the demon to her. So one, she's getting attacked by like, the demon, or she thinks the demon's come for her, and in fact it kills her sister. I thought that oh, would be quite a good you. ending. Shame that he that, di- shame that he died then, really, wasn't it? Yeah, he does. Yeah, but I thought that's what I thought. This I, while I was watching, I thought this is what's going to happen because there's always like these little odd glances between him and and her sister, and you kind of think, oh, they're kind of going to get it together or something like that. And can I be honest what, with you? I'm glad it didn't do that. <laughs> I'm glad, yeah, it did, I'm glad it did what it did, which is which is this is a this is a problem that won't go away. Go away, yeah. And the ending is, I it, there's, a, there's a shot at the end which is really good. You think to yourself because you're constantly looking in the background saying it's well, that it's person some, they, walking behind them. They they kind of they 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 are relying on the fact that you've done exactly what we've talked about, which is you've decided to start watching the background of the shot more than you would normally. Yeah. And the the finish of the film is all about that that idea. That, yeah, exactly. And I think it's and you, beautifully. It does, yeah. I mean, the other thing I was going to mention about it was is it's kind of like um, she becomes like a, a sexual predator kind of thing, like that. And in that kind of respect, it kind of reminded me of um, Under the Skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, fact yeah, that yeah, she's yeah. just using her wily ways to get what she wants, kind of thing with that. So she's just looking at men as prey, kind of thing, really. Well, she's not. She's, she's kind of like the empathetic version of. Yeah. Un, whereas under the skin is about somebody who knows no feelings, yes. therefore cannot cannot really feel like she's doing any harm. Whereas the opposite end of the scale is it follows where she's conscious and she knows that by. Sleeping with somebody, you know, being attractive as 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 uh, Michael Monroe is, is even even in an imaginary world, is a, probably a piece of piss for her. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that would mean condemning somebody to to die. Whereas in obviously under the skin, that's the furthest thing from um, Scarlett Johansson's character's um, brain, yeah. I think. Um, but I mean, that that it's interesting that two two horror films both both have got i guess a supernatural element to them yeah um it follows more overtly than babadook babadook like we said at the beginning could easily be read as the supernatural is a manifestation of grief in yeah, a kind of I'm, demonic form I'm, exactly yeah i mean my my whole thing with babadook is it's it's a film about fear. It's a film about being alone, about fear of death, a fear of rejection, 
and also like the child because he's different so she's fearful of that as well whereas um it can, I, can as... I do can i do a um brian waldron on you here because i want to say this is not necessarily my opinion as brian right. waldron would have said back in the day this is not necessarily my opinion yeah. but but uh a good friend of mine who i'm working on uh, a script with um adam crow he's not a fan of babadook whatsoever yeah. and basically his main beef with it amongst many is what how the hell can you be scared of it if you can just shout at it and it goes away yes but you see, and that's why I think it is more of a, a manifestation of her psychosis. I don't know what you want to call that was it. My, if... That was my debate, and he goes, "Well, that's not a bloody honor film or something like that." He, he, it kind of he didn't. That wasn't an it's argument, a, apparently. <laughs> it's about her finding her inner strength in the end of it, and she's saying, "You know, I, I'm different. He's different, but we we are together, kind of thing like that." So I'll protect him my best way. No, no I, I didn't. Sorry, I, I cut over you there. What were you going to say about It Follows? Whereas I think It Follows is just a film about dread. It's just there's a constant build up of dread all the way through it because you know this thing's just coming no matter where you are, no matter how far away you hide, it is mm. just coming. But then you think to yourself, well, on how good it can travel. So could you get on a plane and fly somewhere? And how far away could you have to get for it and things like that? Yeah, it is, it's an interesting. Interesting, um, weird concept, isn't it? That that something that is from the supernatural and not in the physical world has yeah. to walk round like people do. Yeah. Why doesn't why don't why don't this thing get in a car? Because if because <laughs> like you can shoot it, it's just not visible to you. It's a. Yeah. I mean, in that sense, it, it's it's got a lovely scare element to it, isn't it? That you know there could be lots of these things around us now. You know. Yeah. We wouldn't, exactly. We wouldn't, we wouldn't ever know, and I think that's the. That's the beauty of it on a very... I mean, if you if you showed it to someone you're sort of too young to understand, it could be terrifying. Yeah. I, I, and I think the good thing about It Follows as well is it, it does lead you kind of slightly um, askew at the beginning because um, at the opening shot, as I say, is that girl coming out of the house and then the camera pans around and then she jumps in the car and drives off. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of parks up at, at night somewhere and then the next shot is her, is kind of her dead on the beach with her leg bent back on itself That's so right, yeah. you're automatically kind of thinking oh this is going to be kind of like a good like groovy kind of horror movie kind of thing like that and and that's the only kind of violent thing really that's in it i think and it's, so you kind of led to believe it's going to be one type of film and then it's not and i think that's why a lot of the horror fans found it difficult with this i think that again they've they've gone in with preconceived ideas of what they think it's going to be yeah. and then then are saying, well, it's not what I was expecting, so I don't like it because it's not what I wanted, and things like that. And I think that's been the big problem with both of these films. To come back on what we talked about earlier, is that we both liked them because it, you know, it's a diff, it's 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 a different kind of horror movie, but it's still a horror movie because it makes you, you know, you, there's elements in there which are, are scary, which are frightening, but also which are fun. You know, there's fun in both of them, mm. but. Um, I think a lot of horror fans nowadays just want their quiet, quiet bang, quiet, quiet bang. And if the film has to, if they have to sit and concentrate in the film, they don't like that fact. I mean, that, that's that's very, you know, blase of me to say that. But I think a lot of horror fans just do like, you know, a, a big body count and lots of jump scares. But it's a bit like, it's, it's a bit like the sort of sci-fi mainstream, sorry, the sci-fi kind of fan audience 
any any old shit with a laser gun and a spaceship's good enough. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is, or you kind of fan, you know, your fantasy kind of Game of Thronesy type stuff. Anything, anything with a pixie and a bloody and a big axe. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, and I, I, no, I, 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 I have. It has to be, you know, for me, it has to be um, sort of interesting and and grounded in the real world. And I think that's what it follows and Babadook do. They ground mm-hmm. themselves in 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 a sense of the real world, and then take you into into their world. Yeah. After that, but I mean, oh, I, I, I mean, been, I, I, go on. Go sorry. On, sorry. No, no, it's right. You come. I was just. I, I just think. I think they reflect a sort of the the. The, the sort of um, the occa- the occasional kind of break breaking out and proof that horror can be interesting that's been happening over the last couple of years, I suppose. I mean, yeah, to a degree, you know, the the, the success of Sinister was was really was wasn't something. I, I mean, I, when I saw it, I didn't expect that to be such a such a big uh, a big hit. I mean, Insidious maybe more so. Um, yeah, but you got the Conjuring. And it's about doing it well. I mean, I guess it's that old adage, really, isn't it? It's about it's about doing the film well as opposed to doing what a horror film's meant to do. And if you focus more on the doing it well, then by 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 definition, everything else will follow follow through with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, my taste, like in horror movies, has has changed considerably because I mean, I remember like being youngster watching, you know, your video nasties and things like that. And all you all I wanted as a child was, you know, body body count. You know, horrible ways people getting tortured and killed, and drills to heads and things like that. And then as I've got older, I mean, I've you know I've had to watch video nasties recently, and they're awful. You say it's not just bad production values; it's just that they are awful. They're just not that interesting. Whereas you know, horror movies now, you know, people are. It's like The Exorcist. You know, you can't class The Exorcist to me. I don't think you can class The Exorcist in the same breath as you could say. Driller Killer or Texas Chainsaw Massacre and things like that, because The Exorcist does make you think, like, you know, um, Don't Look Now or Rosemary's Baby, classed as horrors, but they're not your typical normal horrors, whereas your Texas Chainsaw Massacre is no really different than your Hills of Eyes, and your Hills of Eyes is no different than The Evil Dead and and things like that. I I, I I would unequivocally absolutely disagree with you there. All right. I think I think that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, nineteen seventy four, is 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 wanting to be an exploitation movie because that's how they're going to make some money. But yeah. they turn in a cinematic masterpiece. Oh no, I'm not saying it's not a cinematic masterpiece. No, 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 no. What I mean is, but I think that if, when I say masterpiece, I don't just mean just simply what's on screen, but also there is the whole city versus rural America. You've got the backdrop yeah. of the Vietnam War. So this film isn't just about a group of kids who get killed. By some man in a leather mask that's that's influenced by the Ed Gein murders. It's much more than that, and I think you know, Hills of Eyes, the Hills of Eyes, the original one is is a comment on nuclear. Is obviously a comment on nuclear testing. When they got remade and stuff, I totally agree with you. They're just a waste of frigging time. They don't do anything. They don't explore anything. Uh, there's you know, interesting sort of special effects and that. Yeah. But but um, but nothing really interesting. Um, you know, and and also up until I mean, when when Romero did his zombies in what was it sixty nine in Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, you know that was a real shift. You know, before that, monsters were you know were werewolves were were um, creatures of yeah. Black Lagoon exactly. Yeah. Thing, yeah, but but you or know nuclear testing kind of monsters that you know your giant yeah, exactly, mutation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but then the generation who were born after the war, so so becoming adults. At the end of the sixties, 
Yeah. They're, they're, they're thinking of a world where Hitler's exterminated six million Jews, whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's that's more horrific to consider. Or where America's carpet bombing, you know, East Asia. You yeah. know, suddenly it's it's they're the real horrors of, of, of it's the horror that men can do, and I think the sexist chainsaw captures that. I think the Exorcist is obviously was I think it was up for an Academy Award, wasn't it? So yeah. you know, that's that's a you know, very different thing. And and, and it's and, and if you don't believe in God, then it's really not that scary. But if no, if you yeah, if you fear if you fear God it's terrifying. Well, as they said, it, it, it did more for um, the Catholic Church than, you know, banning it and things like that. You know, it did more good for the Catholic Church for people to watch it than trying to ban it did, you know, and things like that. I can see why, really. You know, I think if it does put faith, give people faith. And so that's what they want. Gets more bums on seats in church for people. So now, so now, now, obviously, we broke from tradition, and uh, not that we had like a long tradition. We had two episodes <laughs> where we did a new film and an old film, and this one we've done two new films. Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to in coming out later on in 2015 in terms of in terms of horror? Anything you've got your your eye on? You're excited about? Yeah, there's um, there's an, is it an Irish one called The Hollow, which has got it's getting good reviews, and there's another one. Uh, can't think what it's called now. About the witch trials. All right, which one's that? I think, oh, um, I can't think what. Is that the gallows? Um, it's. I don't know if it is. I don't know what's called now. Um, I'll, no, it's not the gallows. Can't think what's called. Um, there's, I say there's an Irish one called the Hor- the Hollow. I think it's called. I don't know which that has one. got which has got very good reviews. Um, well, not good reviews, but you know, people are saying it's. Um, people are excited about it. Yeah. Um. The Hollow. I'll just that's Andy. The it. Hollow's got no plot summary on on the old Gigabots, so that's <laughs> not helping me. Um, well, we've got we've got Insidious three, haven't we? We've got Sinister two. Yeah. We've got um, we've got Gallows. We've got the Vatican tapes. Is that going to be any good? Do you think? I don't. I think they're all kind of forty millennial, aren't they? These kind of. I I like I do like the you know the the I mean I think the best horror films of the last. Um, you know, say five, six years, have all come from left field, and it's never the ones you think they're going to be. I think that's quite, quite, you know, why the horror genre still does quite well. Is that you, you always get a left field one that you're not looking for, and it suddenly grabs people's attention. I think it follows as being that. I think the Babadook straight off has been that as well. I'm just looking. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't even looked at what the um, what. Um... What's what Sinister 2 is about? I can't even remember what... A young mother and her twin sons move into a rural house that's marked for death. Ooh. And it's Kieran Foy who did... Did he do The Citadel? Ooh. He did, yeah. He did Citadel. So the Irish uh, director is doing Sinister 2. I didn't know that either. Well, there we go. Live, live on the recording, folks. Uh, I'm finding <laughs> out facts about horror. Nothing, nothing like a bit of research <laughs> right in front of your very ears. Um, but I mean, what about other films? I mean, what other films are you? I mean, you're looking forward to this year because I mean, apparently it's going to be a bumper, a bumper year. It's going to be already. They're expecting it to be the biggest grossing year. I think every year is the biggest grossing year, though, isn't it? Well, I'm not look. I'm not bothered about James Bond. Yeah. Is Star Wars this year? Star Wars is December, yeah. Not bothered about that. Um, You're not bothered about Star Wars. No. 
Okay. And um, are you I, not bothered I, in the fact that you just don't want to get excited or carried away by it in case it's rubbish, or are you just not bothered about it at all? I'm not bothered. Star Wars was something that I watched when I was a kid, and, and yeah. it was great. But it's never going to be like watching a film when you're ten. Yeah, I, I can't. Agree. I can't be ten again. Yeah, it's a bit like what I we think... say. What we said about Chappie. Chappie. Chappie works if you take the violence out and show it to eleven-year-olds. Yeah, Chappie fails. When you try and kid us with Diane Toward, whatever they're called, the South African band, and and because she's a pop star, the, the the main woman from the band, she has to be. She's the only criminal that the only criminal in 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 the history of man who, on seeing a robot that says three words, calls it her baby and says, "I'm your mother," and, and we're meant and we're meant to buy into that, and that's within seconds. It's not like we. They grow a relationship, and she's like, and, and it's just, it's just awful. Um, so yeah, so for me, Star Wars isn't something I, I've never seen any of the prequels. Right. I just couldn't be asked. I don't even, do you know this? I don't even think. I'm. Tra- I couldn't tell you. I've seen Star Wars, the the part four, isn't it? Is yeah. Part four. A lot of times. I bet you've only seen Empire Strikes Back once, and I've only <sighs> seen. Um, so, but I am looking as a hypocrite. It's not about. I'm not. I'm not anti big picture. I'm very interested to see uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. I'm very excited about that. Right. Uh, I'm very excited about John Wick, which is any minute now. Yes. I think that'll be top draw. Um, I've got the US DVD of it. Have you? Yes. Um, and um, I'm also looking forward to Statham's new one. The Stath. See, I, yes. I'm not, I've never got on the Stath bandwagon. I bloody love um, him. I think he's great. <laughs> I mean, I've watched the um, Expendable movies, and I don't mind them, but I just, it's just, I don't know. I don't understand. I mean, I, what was the other ones? Crank? I actually quite liked. Crank's Crank. amazing. Crank's, Crank's almost like an anti-film. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Wild, wild card. That's what it's called. Been advertised at me at the cinemas just of late. Um, it'll just be some fighting. I mean, I'm not. I, it's kind of it goes against. I guess it's my. It, it, I think he works as. Yeah. A, I mean, some of the storylines are terrible. Um, I don't think he's that good. I, I don't like in the Expendables. I'm, I never was that '80s action movie fan, so I don't get the kind of. Well, I mean, I gave. I think I gave. I gave Expendables two a good review on the Quietus um, yeah. website. Because it was a better story, at least it was a story compared to the first one. Um, but I liked um, what did I like? I like Safe. Uh, Don't have seen Safe. I liked his remake of the Mechanic. Both Cranks, all three yep. Transporters. Uh, Death Race was all right. Bank Jobs great. In the Name of the King is terrible. <laughs> um, I'd say what's great though is like it was was rewatching um, Collateral, right, and seeing that he's got a really really well, t- tiny. He's back. the guy who gives him the the briefcase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, in fact, he's listed as I'm looking at the IMDb now, and he's listed as Airport Man. All right, um, but yeah, no, I I think he's great, and I, and I've only been interviewed tons of times, and he sounds like a very a very nice man, and that's off to him. Very good. Um, I've got some um, info for them to them films I mentioned. Go on. The Hollow. Yes. Um, is of, I'll just read what it says. Uh, the Hollow of all the horrors screened in the midnight section, this UK production 
by Corin Hardy, the director of the up-and-coming Crow reboot, really showed how it should be done, conjuring up an Evil Dead-style scares in a rural Irish setting as a new family unwitting a care the the wrath of local spirits. Edgar Wright gave his seal of approval by hosting a rocking post-screening questions and answers. Okay. The other one I was trying to think of, which was is called um, The Witch. Okay. Britain's Anya Taylor-Joy became an instant Sundance face with her first major acting role, playing the daughter of a family of devout pilgrims who are banished from their settlement and set up a house near the woods of New England. Airiness and witchy abound in this historically detailed and often disturbing chile. Wow, sounds top. So that's called The Witch, and the other one's called The Hollow, which is the Irish well, one. Well, it's a good job you're here with those recommendations, because I was rubbish then. <laughs> um, am, I allowed to, I mean, am I allowed to say a non-horror thing? I think I am. Yeah. My, yeah. my film, Tabloid Terry, right. is showing at the small cinema in Liverpool on Friday the 20th, which will be... <laughs> which this podcast will be out after that. But I just wanted to advertise the fact because yes, no, pr- any, people listening should, should no, and not my film, more so the the cinema space, which is um, which has been put together by the by the fair with 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 the fair hands of Chris Brown of the Video Nasty podcast Nasty fame podcast, yeah, and now doing the history of horror. The cheeky devil that he is. Yes. Um, he's far too good at these podcasts for his own good. Um, but yeah, no, him him and some people, are, 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 I don't know who else is behind it, but they've got together what they're calling the Liverpool Small Cinema. And yeah, and there's, there's, there's websites and there's Twitter accounts and yeah. Facebook pages for it as well, yes. So. so I'm really I'm really excited that I'm going to be part of the first night. And what's, what's, what's also quite nice for me is the guy that plays Terry in it, is a scouser, and I met him through doing a Liverpool podcast in London, which is kind of I don't know it's tenuous and it's and only I <laughs> only somebody with any self interest in it could come up with those connections. But I think it's quite nice that you know doing a Liverpool podcast in London, meeting a scouse actor while while doing said podcast podcast yeah has led to its first public showing being in Liverpool. Liverpool, that's it. And it's a damn shame that you're. It's one of the weekends you're not in Liverpool. Yeah, I'm away, aren't I? Coming around that weekend. I'm staying. I'm, I'm staying at the. Uh, uh, I tell you what, I'm digressing now into into personal stuff, and I think it's probably that's probably about the right time, given we've been clogging on here for nearly an hour, for over yeah. an hour. In fact, over an hour, to uh, to put an end to this podcast. I think I think it's safe to say we're both very excited. By what Babadook and it follows has generated in terms of discussion about horror for better, yes. for good, for good and for bad. I think people, the worst kind of films, I think, are ones where people shrug their shoulders and go, "It's all right." Yeah, all right. That is like a, a nail in the coffin. That's just, yeah, that's all right. So um, I don't want not... say I actually hate it and can defend why they hate it, or say <clears throat> I really enjoyed it and defend why they really enjoyed it. If, before if, we, before you actually do wind this up, there oh, is another on, sorry. film which we have forgotten about. Go on, um, Ben Wheatley's High Rise. Is that is that going to be out? Bef- that's is out this year, or is it early next year? Well, it's in post at the moment. It's not got. I don't think it's got a release date as yet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, it's this year. <laughs> I'm 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 doing reviews for um, for Nerdly.co.uk at the moment. Oh, 2017. Oh, is that when it's coming out? Well, that's what it says here. I can't imagine it's going to be that far away. That All seems right. mad. That seems mad. Yeah. 
No, it's in, it's in post now. I've seen I've seen tweets about it. So we're yeah. showing showing pictures of the edit screen and the like. Um, let's uh, high rise post production. Says two thousand fifteen. So, um, baba dabba dab 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 dabba dab. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. Ugh. Well, look at that information and stuff. We probably should go and look on. Probably should do this type of research before. But yeah, hopefully it's out later this year. Maybe it is. Um, yes, we need to. Maybe we need to get on Ben Wheatley's case and ask him personally. Well, I, I can say I'm 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 down on the. I've I've already volunteered my services to Nerdly.co.uk um, to be the person to review it because I really want to. I think I think um, I've just I, I, in preparation. I've read the book. Yeah, I've never, I've never read a JG Ballard book in my life. I've only ever read um, oh, what's it called now? I can't even know what's it called. Cocaine um, Night Crash. Ne- it's the re- it's reservation. What's called about? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. I can't remember what it's called. Empire say um, high rises out this autumn. Okay, well there we go. So that that's uh, that's that's our research done. So yeah, no, we'll definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. So yeah, you're right. Is it a so. good book? Do you I, I enjoy it. It's a good idea. Um, right. I'm not. I, I kind of. I ended up. It's only 180 pages, so it's not. It's not going to take the rest of your life for it if you bother to read it. <laughs> I'll. Uh, I'll send you my copy if you want. And now, oh, see, we are. Nice. We are jibber jabbering. Yes. About kind of. We could do shopping next if you want. Yeah. Right then, let's draw this podcast to a close. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Stephen, for your time and for Anytime. your excellent insight into yes. the films Babadook and It Follows. I think that's it. We'll need to find something else. I know, I know, I know, and I can't think. Um, but you know, we're doing this we'll... largely for our own entertainment. So yes, hopefully, exactly. there's one or two people who pick it up. But this is the Evil Speak podcast. With me, Stephen Rutledge. And me, Stuart Wright.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.